I grew up believing that the world needed me. Yeah, wow. And that was something she instilled in me from a very young age. Not just, I want you to go out and join the broader world. She said things like that. I want you to live a better life than I've been able to have. Yeah. Or that I've been able to provide for you. Yeah. With complete humility. That's, yeah. you know. But she, she convinced me from a very young age that the world needed me, that I needed to do something great with my life. Mm. I've got a secret. I'm about to meet with Jeremy Hannay, head teacher of Free Bridges Primary School in Southall, West London, AKA the happiest school on earth. Jeremy has some fascinating insights on education, leadership, and everything in between. He doesn't do many interviews. I think he just let me in because I wear a blue suit and a blue shirt, just like him. So come on through where Jeremy's gonna share some remarkable insights on education and leadership. I would encourage you to watch towards the end where we share some fascinating insights about how we can all become better versions of ourselves. Come on through. I think you're right. That's why I well, I agreed to this because I have a lot of respect for, for you and what you're doing. But I think that that's, there is a narrative that exists in the country about what, what I, you know, what maybe I, people refer to, I refer to as like personal leadership resources, right? So optimism, resilience, positivity, you know, these sorts of things we were just talking about. And I, I mean, the narrative across the country for education at the moment is bleak. Yeah. You know, people saying I'm monitored all the time, I'm, I'm scrutinized for everything I do, I'm overworked, I'm underpaid, my pension, I might get it when I'm 75 or 80, you know, like the narrative across the country is like, I'm not trusted, mm -hmm. um, I'm treated like I, you know, I'm not a knowledge worker, I'm not in a knowledge economy, I'm treated like I have to be monitored and managed for everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure... I mean, I know I didn't get into education for those things, sure. right? I wanted to be able to use my creativity, my passion, my intelligence, my love of children and life and learning to be able to make a difference. Yeah. Um, help young people uncover within themselves their very best. Yeah. And it's, it's painful to know that, that that at the moment is not the... the the dominant narrative, mm. that the dominant narrative is is pessimistic and negative and unhappy. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not great. Yeah. And so I think that it's really important that that we shine a light on things that are that are real, that are going well. I mean, we're not mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not perfect. We make a lot of mistakes. Sure. We learn a lot. We change all the time. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think I would like to say I think we found a few steps in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And if those few steps if listening to another head teacher for a head teacher or for a deputy head or for an aspirant leader or a teacher, if listening to someone who feels they've made a few steps in the right direction gives them the courage or the confidence or you know the, the, the anything to move one step in a different direction than they yeah. feel right now, well, that's a huge success, I would say. Fantastic. I think. What was school? <laughs> you grew up in Canada, right? I did, yeah. What was school like for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've... Uh, Mixed bag, mm -hmm. I would say. So I, I grew up in a school. I grew up in a in a community and in a family situation very much like the ones that I serve now. So Three Bridges is an incredible place, a remarkable place, serving a very challenging community. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, I mean, our main estate is in the second percentile for crime and violence. I mean, uh, 65% of our children come from the highest quintile of deprivation in the country. Uh, lots of people premium, lots of free school meals, high level of English additional language, over 90% uh, black minority ethnic. Like, there are, the challenges that are, are faced by this school in this community are, you know, some people might say are insurmountable, like they're really, really high. I went to a school like that as a kid yeah. in a different country, albeit yeah. in a different country, but same kind of challenges. Mm-hmm. And I had a single parent, an incredible mother who, you know, taught me so much by who she was. Yeah. Um, you know, she didn't go to university, she didn't have a big fancy education, mm-hmm. but she worked really hard. And she, I grew up believing that the world needed me. Yeah, wow. And that was something she instilled in me from a very young age. Not just, I want you to go out and join the broader world. She said things like that. I want you to live a better life than I've been able to have. Yeah. Or that I've been able to provide for you. Yeah. With complete humility. That's, yeah. you know. But she, she convinced me from a very young age that the world needed me. That I needed to do something great with my life. Mm. Um, because it was, it was important that we yeah. all had a role to play. And so... Uh, I didn't grow up in England, but in terms of context and situation, I grew up like a lot of these kids, and it was it was my my mom and all of that, but really great teachers, great schools that helped shape my life today. And I I I knew from a very early age that one of the things I needed to do was to be able to to pay that forward in some way, that I would not be where I am today, doing what I'm doing today if it weren't for incredible schools and incredible people. And so that, I mean, that's the mission, right? Yeah. That's, that's absolutely it, that um, as, a, as a class teacher, I was responsible for a number of children in my, in my care, yeah. making sure they got the very best experience. When I became a middle leader, I was responsible maybe for a team of people, mm-hmm. adults and children, making sure they got the, the greatest experience here. As I've moved up and become a head teacher, it's, it's slightly different. I think for me, the narrative is not um, only that the most important people in the school are our children, mm-hmm. because that, I mean that's I think that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. This is what we're here to do. Sure. But really, as a head teacher, I think that my job is to make sure that I take care of the people mm-hmm. that take care of our people. Got it. You know that if I'm not making sure that the environment here, the culture here, the ethos, the values, the culture in this building, mm-hmm. if it is not in the right direction, mm. if it is not an environment in which our, our adults can be nourished and flourish, mm-hmm. then our young people have no chance, yeah. Yeah. no chance. And, and I was lucky that I grew up in a system and in a, in a, in a culture where that is a key priority. Mm-hmm. And so the adults in, in my life as school teachers, mm-hmm. yes, were absolutely curriculum experts and able to focus on great lessons and great learning, mm-hmm. but they were also able in the environment that was created for them to create an environment for me mm. that allowed me to flourish because they were flourishing. How is the environment in Canada in education different and the culture around education different to over here, if it is different at all? Yeah, it, it's, it's a complex question, I guess. I mean, there, there are many differences, many similarities, many differences. Mm-hmm. The, I guess, you know, one of the key differences is, is the control and the autonomy that schools have in England is very different to that in Ontario. Mm. So in Ontario, 
uh, schools are centrally managed, mm -hmm. so there are school boards, mm -hmm. and those school boards are funded and given direction from the Ministry of Education, so the government. So there's the government that gives information and money to the school boards, the school boards distribute that money to schools. Mm -hmm. And people like me, head teachers, are not hired by schools. They're hired by, or they're promoted and grown within a school board, okay. and then moved around every four or five years. Wow. So that there's a spread of leadership, there's a spread of growth and development across the system. Okay. It also leads to consistencies. So what school A is doing, mm -hmm. down the road school B is doing something quite similar. Sure. Teachers are given enormous amounts of autonomy. Mm -hmm. there, is a, there is a provincial curriculum mm -hmm. and everybody is responsible to deliver that curriculum and assess towards that curriculum. Mm -hmm. But they are given the freedom within their classrooms and within their schools to be innovative, to be creative, to be courageous in ways that align with them as professionals and meet the needs of every child in the classroom. Yeah. In England, I would say that there is tons of autonomy for schools, mm -hmm. but that autonomy sometimes I think is a, can be false mm -hmm. because you know, assessment, high stakes assessment, high stakes accountability measures and inspection mm -hmm. very often steer the ship. Sure. So while we are all free to be who we want to be, uh, we also need to make sure that we're free with inside this box. So you can be free, Jazz. Yeah. But don't make sure you're free like that. Yeah. And I think that that's a big, that's a, it's a very different message. Mm. So in Ontario, there are, there are, you know, a standardized test that children take at relatively the same age they take in primary school here. Yeah. But they're not high stakes. Yeah. So they don't necessarily drive the decision making in schools in the same way that they do here. So I'm interested in that because you were saying earlier that schools here, head teachers here, have massive degree of autonomy. Sure. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I feel as a head teacher, nothing, nothing stands in my way, mm. nothing at all. I have a brilliant governing board, incredible chair of governors, who help me vision the possibilities for this community and this school. But nothing is in our way. Yeah. I mean, there are things in every system, whether you're in Canada and here, Singapore, Finland, I mean, you know, money always comes into the conversation. So I'm limited by budget, mm -hmm. but we also then as a school raise a substantial income through advisory and consultancy. So we have a pocket of money that we can spend in a different way yeah. or in, in excess to what we get from our usual funding pot. Um, you know, there are national tests, I said high stakes testing, uh, you know, the big O and national inspection frameworks <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the, you know, the, 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 those things exist. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I'm completely honest, uh, there are staff in my school who have never heard the word Ofsted wow. because I don't care what yeah. Ofsted thinks. Yeah. They have a framework of inspection, but schools inspection mm. and schools improvement mm. are not the same thing. Got it. They're not the same thing. And I think it's funny that that narrative actually has been created yeah. in this country, that we've been, we've been taught to believe mm. that to improve a school, we must inspect it. Yeah. We must monitor it, we must scrutinize it, we must yeah. get so grand, we must dig down into every tiny detail. Is it about shifting the narrative from going to inspecting schools to how can we improve every school to be great? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we can't, Schools inspection has its place. Mm -hmm. Everything in education has its place. Testing has its place. Yeah. Assessment has its place. Yeah. Uh, inspection, surveillance, monitoring, yeah. accountability yeah. has its place. Absolutely. But I think the unintended consequences of 
some of these larger factors like high stakes testing, mm -hmm. the unintended consequences of inspection as a mechanism for improvement yeah. have not been well thought out, have not been well discussed, and are not being well enough considered in terms of the impact that it's playing in the everyday life of schools. Yeah, I've got to say I love that big banner that you've got outside. Sure. It's just like, <laughs> we, are, <laughs> we are outstandingly happy. Right. It's like, that is, that yeah. is old, right? And I, I mean, I, I absolutely see in, in our primary school that core purpose, we need to make sure without any doubt in anyone's mind, that every single child that comes through these doors leaves here being able to read, write, and solve problems. Yeah. Crucial to our job as educators. So. And if we're not doing that, mm -hmm. we are failing. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt in my mind about that. But anybody who thinks that that is all we are here to do, yeah. uh, you know, is an idiot. Yeah. It, you know, if I can be frank. That is not the only job. <laughs> there is so much what, more what going on. What is the job of a, of a great school, a great head teacher? Oh, I mean, I don't. A great head teacher, I don't know. I mean, I'm still figuring it out, right? I, I think that. Um, I think that if I ever get to a point where I think I have figured it all out, mm -hmm. I need a new job. I need to do something different because I've lost my way. Sure. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm never. I remember watching this this really great video when I was uh, coaching volleyball in Canada, and I was playing it to the athletes and. Um, I mean, it was about a, a young man who had been injured in an accident and he, you know, was the top performer in university, about to graduate, life was great, he was on to good things, had an accident and basically needed to start from scratch with his life. Mm -hmm. he, he had a brain injury, he, uh, he was unable to walk, to talk, he had to relearn everything. And I remember watching this really incredible part of that, of that sequence in that video. And the interviewer was talking to him and said, you know, how is it that you are coming to grips with this situation? You had this one life and now you're living this other. So many people in your same position would have given up by now. Mm -hmm. They would have said, forget it. Yeah. How is it that you're moving forward? And he looked at the camera, he looked over at the interview and he said, I'm never satisfied. Whoa. Love Change Love things it. for me. Yeah. Change things for me as a coach, as a human being, mm -hmm. as a leader. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that I guess for me, that's one of the, the criteria to be, yeah. you know, to run a great school. To, I'm just, I'm never satisfied. And that doesn't mean I'm out in classrooms pointing fingers at people and saying, <laughs> that's not good enough, I'm not satisfied. That's not good enough, I'm not satisfied. I think that that's, that's probably a recipe for disaster. But internally, you are, right? yeah, I mean, internally, the dialogue that's going on in my head is, you know, if better is possible, mm. good is never enough. Yeah. It's that, it's that same, that same feeling. And so, yeah, I mean, I, what does a great head teacher look like? I don't know. I mean, I could talk about the people probably that that that, that led me, mm -hmm. because I think that because um, you have a, you had a lot of mentors, a lot of people that have. I think that the one of the ways to learn about greatness is to be immersed and surrounded by great people. It's also one of the ways I think to run a great school. How do how is Three Bridges successful? Well, one of the ways is because I hire people that are better than me. Yeah. They're better teachers than I was. They're better thinkers maybe at that time than I was. Uh, they've got great ideas. They're confident. They're courageous. They're out there. They're not afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. And they're definitely not afraid to learn. Yeah. And so I just surround myself with people who are not afraid to challenge me. Yeah. My thinking, my ways of doing things. I mean, there's a little poster probably right next to us here that says, you know, the most dangerous phrase in our language is it's always been done that way. Yeah. So surrounding myself with people who are not afraid to say, is that the right way? Yeah. Could we be doing this differently? Is there sure. a more efficient, a better way? So, I mean, uh, I guess 
you know, going back to her, you know, the, that idea about being immersed and surrounded by greatness, I was blessed early on in my career mm-hmm. to be, you know, taken under the wing, standing on the shoulders of people who were remarkable, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Charles Austin, one of Canada's outstanding principals, okay. you know, award winner. Yeah. When I had no business, you know, being involved in school leadership or, or education, any deep degree or deep level, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like, like Charles saw the head teacher within me. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, that's a message for our school. So when we talk about leading successful schools, mm-hmm. one of our themes this year is leaning in yeah. about connecting, connecting yeah. with each other, with the community, with the children. And on, you know, one of the subcategories of that concept, I think, is I see you. Yeah. You know, that in a classroom of children, there are head teachers, there are doctors, there are nurses, there are bin men, there are, you know, actresses, there are designers, there are all sorts of children yeah. in our classrooms. I love the fact that you see that and you can visualize it before yeah. you've even, before they've ever got anywhere near that. And the, but that's the key, isn't it? It's mm. our job in primary school and any, in any level of education, I guess, is making sure that we see within our children the greatness, the excellence, the future yeah. before they see it within themselves. Yeah. And our job throughout schooling is to help them uncover that, yeah. right? Expose them to all sorts of different things mm-hmm. so that they can find what they're most passionate about, what they enjoy, what they love, and then make a life of that. Yeah, for, for certain. You mentioned that you had great mentors in Canada. Do you feel that that's something that is reciprocated enough or is that something that you feel that in England we can do more of in terms of that peer-to-peer network support? Hmm. I think it's a great question. I, you know, I think that for me there were informal things that happened. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it worked for me. Yeah. I'm not certain that would be a great rule, like let's just hope it happens. Yeah. Are there ways that I think currently systems or schools or, uh, or um, local authorities, mats are set up to manage that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there are I great... That's one thing that's been, that's been, that's been definitely stood out for me in over the last five, ten years is the, the coming together of head teachers and learning from each other. Yeah. I think that's been a big game changer because before, 20 years ago, it was very common for head teachers to sit in their school, stay there for 20 yeah. years and not relate to many other people outside of that, that institution. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's dangerous. Mm. You know, if if we if I stay in this office, you know, all day, every day, I'm never out. I'm never asking questions. I'm never seeing what's going on in other schools. I'm never learning and absorbing from other head teachers. We're in trouble. Yeah. You know, we're in trouble. And so I make sure. I mean, I make it a point to visit a number of schools every year to be connected to head teachers, CEOs, executive heads in yes. this country that I feel are, are doing things that are remarkable, that are probably a step or two ahead of where we're at, mm-hmm. because I love a chase. I love a good chase. <laughs> you know, there's a, I mean, growing up in sport and in, in you know, playing and coaching, uh, there, I have, a, I have a tiny little competitive side. Yeah, love that. And, uh, you know, that's part of that, you know, never satisfied kind of mentality that yeah. I actively seek out schools that I think are doing a better job at, yeah. at an aspect of education than we are. Mm-hmm. And I go to them. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I say is, aside from love, lovely me, good morning, <laughs> teach me everything. Yeah, love that. Because I, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to learn. That you don't know what you don't know. Right? No, that's it. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm 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 doing my very best to find the very best yeah. and learn and learn and learn. You mentioned that sport and volleyball was something that was important to you growing up. How important is sport and creative subjects in in primary schools? 
I mean, I, I, I would absolutely say that um, the fact that our school values sport to the degree that it does, mm -hmm. youth sports trust goal, Sainsbury's goal, like making sure that we're providing the, the highest quality provision here mm -hmm. is one of the factors that leads to our academic success. Love it. Love that, it. that I think sometimes, you know, it's easy to get caught in, it's easy to get caught in that cycle, right, of we just, they need to get the English, they need to get the maths, yeah. you know, we need to get those reading, writing, and problem solving results up. Yeah. Um, but those things do not sit in isolation, and one, surefire way to turn people away from lifelong learning mm. is to narrow the curriculum in such a way that all we're doing is teaching reading, writing, and maths. Yeah, that, that's one thing for me. I tell a story about how I used to, I used to play for professional football clubs. And when I used to come home at 4.30, I used to start training at like 6.30. Yeah. And I always used to make sure that, okay, I get a little bit of work done. And then I needed to get that energy release out from 5.30 to, to leave my house at 5.30, get to training for half six, yeah. go through to half eight, get back at half nine. And then when I got home at half nine, I was so much more intense in my academic studies. I was yes. so much more like focused and driven and like yeah, of course. wanted to do my maths homework or whatever homework it was. Yeah. And it, it, it's powerful, you know, it's not just me that felt like that. No. A lot of people, they need that endorphin release in order to then come back and do something more cognitive. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we were talking earlier about, you know, what are some of the, the, the key differences between the Ontario education system and what, what is happening here in England, uh, one of the key differences is the amount of things going on in secondary schools for children in Ontario versus in the UK. Okay. I would say that the secondary school experience for children in Ontario is far more holistic. Okay. So there is absolutely a focus on academics and making sure that children are you know, involved in really high quality curricular experiences. Yeah. But the opportunities outside of the curriculum yeah. for children to you know, use an array of talents, an array of gifts, and find their passion. Yeah. If you name a club or a society or a program that would that you would want to be a part of as a teenager, mm -hmm. chances are it exists as an Ontario high school, and, and it exists at all of them. Yeah. That there are environmental clubs, there are um, you know gay straight alliances, there are sports clubs for a, a range of sports. There are intramurals, like there is something. There are drama. There's art. There's music. Something like there's something for everybody, and that the focus and that the driving force, like why do over 90% of Ontario children graduate with a, a high school diploma? Mm. Because it's not just about the academics. About you can be less academic yeah. and still be successful because yeah. we don't define success strictly by academic prowess yeah. in Ontario. And uh, I think that, you know, three bridges, mm. We're trying, you know, my, my mission, I've been at Three Bridges now seven years, mm -hmm. and, it, and, and I guess what's happened is it's, it's this little Ontario-UK hybrid, yeah, no. you know, where we absolutely have a value in academics, but it's not the only thing. You created a, one of the things that fascinates me about the school every time I walk in is like there's new posters of vibe, there's an energy through the staff, through the children, through the environment visually. Mm -hmm around the values, the ethos around happiness. How have you gone about creating that in a school that was underperforming before you came in and so on? Yeah, I mean, the, the truth is when I started at Three Bridges, uh, it, you know, it's, I would say on, on the whole, it's always been quite a friendly place. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, from the very beginning, because I think we talk a lot in education, we've talked about teachers, talk a lot about teaching assistants, mm -hmm. but actually, I mean, even this is down to the moment you enter the school, the front office staff. So in my school, Amy and Linda, always a friendly face, yeah. always a lovely greeting. That ethos, it, it permeates everything we do. Yeah. So there was always, there was always like an undercurrent here of friendliness, yeah. you know, of collegiality. Which helps. And so I was able to use that. I was able to start there. Okay. And I've always believed uh, wholeheartedly that, you know, if we want people learning, if we want people engaging, if we want people taking ownership, that they need to feel like that this is something meaningful to them. They need to be happy about it. There needs to yeah. be joy in everything that we do. Yeah. Um, so using that as a starting point, I think was, was quite important, but it started with the idea around expectations. Mm -hmm. So when I started here, same community, same challenges, same issues, mm -hmm. different expectations, mm -hmm. but it wasn't because the teachers here were bad teachers. They were great. They were awesome, mm -hmm. brilliant teachers. Yeah. But uh, almost as, as you said, sometimes you don't know what you don't know yeah. and what you're doing in that moment, I would say most people believe what they're doing is what's best. Sure. And the reality was just at that time that what, what the school was doing curricularly, academically at that time was no longer what was best. Yeah. But they didn't know. Sure. And that's okay. So how did you go about shifting that mindset so that they didn't know? So I think part of it was, um, it was absolutely in, in the way that we manage change. Mm -hmm. So I was fortunate. I came from Ontario. I'd been a part of what's called an OFIP school, an Ontario-focused intervention program. So that means that we were an underperforming school. By Ofsted standards in Ontario, we would have been, we would have been special measures. Got it. Bad exam results, uh, you know, children, tons of behavior difficulties. Like it was, it was challenging circumstances. But on Ontario, in Ontario, rather than uh, firing the staff, getting rid of the head, parachuting in a whole bunch of new people. They throw money at the school. Mm -hmm. They throw literacy, numeracy trainers at the school. Mm -hmm. They make sure that there's a, a culture growing around excellence and, and, and improvement. Yeah. It's a very different approach to managing schools. So when I came here, I was fortunate that I had had an, uh, years of training around excellent practice, cutting edge, newest stuff in mm -hmm. literacy, numeracy, mm -hmm. the areas where we were struggling. Mm -hmm. So what we did was I introduced information to the staff in the form of kind of readable research. Yeah. And we took uh, a collaborative appro approach mm -hmm. to analyzing and identifying the areas within that research that we thought, hey, we're doing that and we're doing a great job of it. Yeah. But there's a few things in here that we don't know about yeah. or we're uncertain about or we're maybe not doing a great job of. Yeah. And rather than the culture being, well, let's do it, and I'm going to be in monitoring, scrutinizing, and observing you, yeah. the culture was, go away and have a play. Love it. I want you to take the information we've all just collectively agreed is stuff maybe we could improve upon. Yeah. I want you to go away. I want you to give it a try in your classroom. No fear of failure. Make mistakes. Yeah. What, what, what is your philosophy on mistakes, and how do you manage people? How do you frame it in terms of being able to make mistakes? and? perhaps rightly or wrongly, not making huge mistakes that are catastrophic to, well, not, not wrongly, but how do you go about making sure that it's not mistakes that are catastrophic, catastrophic to children? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a tricky balance, right? And I think it's, you know, experience and, and having been there as a class teacher myself, you know, knowing some balance. I remember uh, when I was a really young athlete and I was looking at uh, making Team Ontario, mm -hmm. you know, I was a young kid and this was like the pinnacle program to make. Mm -hmm. And there were coaches in the program that I was involved in who were involved in the Team Ontario program. And I remember going up to one of them one day and saying, you know, 
uh, I'm really nervous about the next match. They said, well, why are you nervous? And I said, because I don't want to make any mistakes. <laughs> I want to be, I want to make sure it's incredible, perfect. Mm. And the coach, you know, I was a young kid, 15 years old, maybe 16 years old, and the coach kind of patted me on the back and little coach smile as you do. And he said, you know, I want to tell you something, Jeremy. He said, if we go out and watch you play a perfect match, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. You're not trying hard enough. Love it. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> if you're not making mistakes, you're not working hard enough. And again, something that stayed with me my entire life. And so I think we need to see, as that coach saw within me, mm-hmm. We need to see mistake making Mm -hmm. as an absolutely vital part of growth. Sure. Has to be there. But we can't just be living on mistakes. Yeah. Right? There has to be a direction, there has to be a framework. We need to be moving forward. So I think that in our school, a lot of that comes through professional collaboration and professional study of learning and lessons. So it doesn't, I mean, you and I could go into a lesson Mm -hmm. and there are gonna be things that we see that are the same, things we see as different, may come out with completely different views of what we saw. Mm -hmm. That's not helpful. Yeah. And it puts people on edge. Right. Uh, but I think what is helpful is coming collectively up with a framework that is important, that's based on research and evidence. That could come from journal research, that could come from other schools and practical evidence. There's lots of places that can come from, but I think knowing that there's a framework, and then when we go in, it's not impact, it's not judging the way that is being delivered in every single moment of the day. It's looking at the impact of those decisions, the impact of the teaching on the learning and the learners. And that can be done collectively and collaboratively without a high stakes mechanism to drive people out. You have a, you have a really interesting philosophy that is quite unique on observation and assessment. Tell us about your philosophy on that and how that, how, that, how that impacts learning in your school. Yeah, so I guess when I first came to England, I was shocked by a number of things. Mm. One of them, um, one of the things I was shocked by was the frequency at which professional people were being monitored and observed and scrutinized. And I thought the, 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 the feeling that I got from those professionals was that they were untrusted, that they weren't capable, uh, and really that actually they're being de-skilled and handcuffed, stifled by these processes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's in the same way that people feel stifled by uh, Ofsted or by high stakes testing. Right. School leaders feel stifled by that, mm-hmm. but then we're enacting the same similar kind of processes <laughs> on teachers. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't quite align for me. I, do, I never quite understood that. So um, the, the, the process, the protocols here at Three Bridges is that we are involved constantly in learning and lesson study. Mm-hmm. So there is a constant reflection based on research and knowledgeable others to move learning and teaching forward. Yeah. That's always happening in this school. But high stakes observation? Mm-hmm. No, I mean the experienced teachers in school, they get observed once every three years. Yeah. They don't, unless they request it, yeah. which believe it or not, they do. Yeah. You know, teachers coming to the head teacher saying, hey, yeah. can you come in and take a look at this? Or going to a colleague and saying, I know you're really skilled at this area. Could you come in and, and do a bit of an audit on how I'm doing? Yeah. That culture exists in this school now yeah. where people are requesting it. That's right. Yeah. But there is no need for me to be formally in grading lessons mm-hmm. every term as we did historically. Yeah. Because that is stifling in itself. Really it's putting a framework around people that we don't need. Um, and it's taking, I mean, we were talking earlier about the conditions requisite to flourish, mm-hmm. right? And if we're constantly in monitoring, constantly in measuring, mm-hmm. what we're actually doing is changing the soil. Yeah. And yeah. so, can flowers grow in that soil? Yeah. Yes, they can. Yeah. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's not possible. Yeah. Are you ever going to get the greatest flowers 
in that soil? Mm. Absolutely not. Mm. You cannot grow courageous and creative professional people. Mm. You cannot grow the very best teachers mm. when they are simply compliant. Got it. You can't have it. A culture. That's right. Great. It has to exist. Yeah. Mm. If we want the next generation of school leaders in this country to be courageous, mm-hmm. then we want them to be creative. If we want them to be bold, yeah. you know, be thinking about more than just English and maths results. Yeah. If we want people thinking about all the isms in the world, racism, sexism, extremism, you know, if we want the kind of school leaders that are going to go out and try and create the kind of schools and young people that are going to change the world. Yeah. But we surely cannot be doing that under very strict compliance measures. What's your proudest moment as a head teacher? Wow. I, I, w- I guess I was talking with a group of visitors at the school yesterday. And I would say that in the transition, right, from class teacher to, you know, team leader, assistant head, deputy head, head and teacher. By the way, sorry to cut you. Did, you. did you always know that you were going to be a head teacher? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think when I was younger, I think I thought I was going to be a teacher. Right. But I think when I was young, maybe like everybody, I don't know. I think I thought I was going to be a head teacher in the school that I went to as a kid, and I was yeah. going to work with the teachers that taught me, and I was going to be a, I was going to be a phys ed teacher. Okay. And by 25, I'd be married and I have a house with a white picket fence, like yeah. you know. I, I don't know what I thought. <laughs> it was probably later in my life, maybe when I was, uh, maybe st- I was still quite young, you know, maybe in my early 20s. Yeah. When I realized that. Um, this was this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, and in that journey, it's been again class teacher responsible for children mm-hmm. and making sure they have a great experience. Head teacher mm-hmm. responsible for the people that are responsible for our people. Mm-hmm. So my proud moments now. I mean, I love the kids in the school. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're incredible. Yeah, and I would say every single day there's a moment yeah. that is memorable yeah. that I can go, oh, that was. Love it. You know, I'm so glad I do this. But I guess in reality, the moments now that I'm feeling most proud about mm-hmm. are moments when I see teachers, mm-hmm. other leaders in the school, doing incredible things. Yeah. So we lead um, open days now. So we have uh, we do national training for English, for mathematics, for leadership, workload, well-being, early years. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the in the room, watching the teaching staff here deliver training and support in really collaborative ways yeah. to other teachers, to other schools, in ways that those teachers don't feel done to, yeah. in ways that they feel that they're moving forward, yeah. and that that's been facilitated by adults that have worked here at our school. Yeah. Those are my proudest moments, and watching other people. I guess, you know, they say, you're not a leader until you're a leader who's created a leader who's created a leader. Yeah, I and, uh, It's I, multiplication, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. So I, those, I think, now are my the moments that I'm, I'm happiest about. Perfect. Jeremy, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking <laughs> with you about all of the things education. We've got a few quick questions to round off, um, a few things that I want to learn from you. Oh dear. <laughs> okay, so we'll start with a few light questions like, what's your favorite holiday destination? Uh, so far, uh, Antigua. Oh wow. Brilliant. The people were remarkable, the food, the weather. Yeah. It was a perfect destination. I loved it. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> to go to Amazing, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And you've got a lot of books here, one which we've discussed earlier before before we got on camera, which is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Sure. What's one of the most powerful books that you've read? Yeah, but it's funny you bring that book up because uh, I really enjoyed the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There are lots of leadership books like that that I read early on in my career. But at the at this moment in time, I think the one that stayed with me is actually the eighth habit. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the eighth habit is powerful because it's, it's saying that once you have found your voice, mm-hmm. then the mission has to be to help other people find theirs. Yeah. And that doesn't mean their voice needs to sound like your voice. Yes. It doesn't mean their school needs to look like your school or their yes. leaders need to look like your leaders. Yeah. But it means helping them find, I think, their authentic voice. Mm. You know, the voice that lies with inside them, not the voice that lies with inside me. And that's always been tricky, but I think that that's, at the moment, one of the most powerful things that I'm thinking through. What's your favorite hobby? It's always been volleyball. Yeah. Coaching, uh, coaching volleyball, mm-hmm. playing, coaching. Yeah. And I really, I mean, it's one of the things I miss the most while living in the UK. Um, but I, uh, what's, what's my, I think travel. Yeah. Yeah, I love to travel. Favorite thing about your family? Grit. They're just, nothing gets in the way. Nothing. Yeah. They're just and you can passionate, that just sort of gritty. Yeah, they're, you know, they're just, they just work. Yeah. They just work <laughs> hard. And everything is a labor of love. Mm. And I'm grateful that that's been given to me. Fascinating. And you then become the, you become then the chief of schools. And what are the top three priorities that you would like to implement in education? <laughs> Make a bigger and broader impact. Wow. Uh, okay, so the first would be a complete, a complete overhaul, redesign, um, revolution for the inspectorate. Mm-hmm. That I, I would uh, challenge that that's an effective way. The second thing would be um, probably around frameworks of leadership mm-hmm. and pathways, professional pathways through education, mm-hmm. so that that the only way right now to earn more money and to you know um, have a different role in a school is to move into leadership. Mm-hmm. But actually, I don't believe that that's for everybody. And so I think that there should be professional pathways. I think that there should be leadership. I think there should be master teachers and there should be researchers, mm-hmm. all built into pay structures and systems. So, yeah. So I'd say Ofsted leadership and professional pathways. The third thing would probably be the removal of the stakes that exist in testing in this country. So I would not, I'm not suggesting on any level that we would remove testing. I think that it has its place, but the stakes of the testing would not be what they are today. I think that they need to exist and they need to trigger supports and development and growth. And, uh, but I, I definitely do not think that uh, they should be used in the way that they're being used today. Okay, fascinating. Those would be my three. And what advice would you give to an aspiring leader, one that's maybe aspiring to make a really powerful and positive impact in education? What would be your parting word of advice to them? Mm. Read, like read, 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 read. Go to go and experience other schools. Go and go and go and experience success, what you, what you think, like see other schools, see other things in action, learn from what to do and what not to do. But the, 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 the overarching thing, mm-hmm. um, there to be different. Yeah. Don't, you know, just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean that's the way it needs to be done. I love it. And we'll add the, the links at the bottom of the, of the video, but where can people find out more about you and your school? Yeah, so uh, I guess our website, yeah. threebridgesprimary.co.uk. You can read all about the different stuff that our school is up to, our different philosophies in education in our publications uh, tab. Um, and uh, I tweet at uh, 
at Hannah Jeremy. And uh, yeah, so follow me, follow the school, be great. And your tweets are remarkable, by the way. So <laughs> I encourage anybody Thank you. to get with Jeremy Hannah on Twitter. Yeah, amazing. Hey, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Yeah.